The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Sing my Sarah, broken halos, wings that he Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to episode 24 of the 108 Podcast. My guest today is the very talented Eric Botsford. He's a singer-songwriting police officer from Richmond, Kentucky. You know, things are weird in the U.S. right now. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it. You really can't deny that. Uh, there's division in just about everything that's going on. And, and, of course, cancel culture is everywhere. We just can't agree on anything. Sean Whalen who has been kind of a thought leader for me over the past several months. Um, I I found this video just now, like, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. Um, but it just so happened to be perfect. So I'm going to play a snippet of it about cancel culture. So listen to it, and uh, and then I'll go with what I had planned for the beginning of today's episode. My friends, a quick message about this whole cancel culture bullshit, Okay. Shit's only canceled if you let it be canceled. You understand that, right? Look, if some jackwagon wants to take fucking Dr. Seuss and throw him in the trash, let him. Keep reading Dr. Seuss to your kids. If some dick face wants to all of a sudden say, I'm offended by Mr. Potato Head, you can't play Mr. Potato Head, fuck that. Let your kids play with Mr. Potato Head. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all are getting way too hyped up over this bullshit. If some dude who doesn't know what bathroom he wants to piss in or wants to let his little four-year-old cut his dick off to be gender fluid, neutral, whatever the fuck, go ahead and let him do that. You just handle your business. You read Dr. Seuss to your kids. You let your kids play with Mr. fucking Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head and tell your kids where little little mini Mr. Potato Head comes from after Mrs. and Mrs. Potato Head get their groove on. You heard what I'm saying? My friends, nothing's fucking canceled. Keep living. God bless you. I, I think that's pretty spot on. You know, it's only canceled if they get rid of it. And we've talked about cancel culture a lot recently. Uh, last episode, we talked about it a lot. But, uh, yeah, you you got to stop letting these people dictate how you live your life. I mean, if you don't want to do something because you, you personally don't enjoy it, that's fine by all means. But because the mob says you can't do something, it's just asinine. So that's how I feel. Um, so anyway, you know, I try not to get looped into what we are dealing with on a daily basis. I try to really give us some lighthearted discussions and, and whatever to share together. Um, you know, it's not always the case. Sometimes, like last week, uh, we need to get a little serious. You know, sometimes we need to get some stuff off our chest. Uh, whether it's, you know, me talking about the Chicago police sergeant who committed suicide or motivating you guys to stop thinking your life sucks or if it was uh, me, Frank, and Blue talking about complaints and grievances, it's important to get these negative thoughts out there. You know, I, I don't want to say uh, that I'm overtly negative. Uh, I get pissed off at things. Things annoy me. But, you know, I, I don't consider myself a negative person. And with that, we can't have the negativity that we do have build up. So some discussions like that 
are necessary. And I hope when you guys listen to it, whether it's in your car, uh, in the office, whatever, you know, you guys listen to my conversations and either you agree, disagree, whatever, but we can continue uh, to build this uh, quote unquote relationship that we've got here. And, you know, you can tell me what you disagree with and you can tell me what you agree with. And I think that makes for a stronger community. And that's what we really need to do. Stop being offended by things we disagree with. Um, you know, it's not good for our mental states to have, um, so much negativity in there. So, you know, whatever it is, we can, we can disagree about things and be civil about that. So that's kind of it. But like I said, I try to keep things light, which is actually what brings us today in this episode. Uh, we have, like I said, Eric Botsford from Kentucky, and we're going to talk a lot about like music. Music is, is such a good thing for me. I love music. I'm not very good at it, like playing it, but I love listening to it. I don't know if it's like my film background where I was always trying to think of like music and how it would correlate to scenes or moods or things like that. Um, but it is what it is. Um, it's been a driving force for me. And I can tell you that music can cheer me up, it can bring me down, it can motivate me, whatever. For example, right now today, it's uh, sunny 80 degrees here in Florida. I know you guys up north are probably jealous about that, but listen to me now. Uh, All I want to do is just open my windows, blare Australia by the shins. That is my go-to perfect day song. Uh, It takes me back to when I was in like junior of high school. Me and my buddies were driving around after school all the windows down in his car, I think because he didn't have air conditioning, but I'm not sure, and just blaring that song. If you've never heard it, give it a listen. Perfect spring day song. You're going to love it. Um, It's it's on the... All these songs that I'm about to talk about are on the uh, 10-8 playlist, which I will talk about in a little bit. So you got that. Um, If I'm in a bad mood, you know, sad music really gets me where I need to be. And it... I don't know how healthy it is, but misery loves company. So I'll listen to like Bayside. Um, Bayside is always good for that. You know, like uh, Don't Call Me Peanut. That's that's a good sad song. Depends on what kind of sad song I'm in or I'm in the mood for. But uh, like the other day I was in a bad mood and I got the Wonder Years on and I put on I Just Want to Sell Out My Funeral. Whew, that, that got me in a mood, let me tell you. Or let me let me be honest. I was in the mood, and it just kept me in there for a little longer. Um, if I need to get pumped up for the gym or, like, before work, you know, it, it kind of depends on what kind of gym day I'm having. But I typically go with, like, I Prevail, Our Last Night, uh, a day to remember those kind of, like, melodic hardcore. Um, or, you know, I may have to go totally different and go with some Lil Wayne, some G-Unit from back in the day. Uh, it depends. Like, do I want to smash faces or do I want to hustle? That's kind of the mentality I go with. And if we're talking before work, it depends on the day. I will typically stay towards I Prevail and and those kind of bands. But like if I know, this is is 100% true, if I know it's going to be a bad day at work, like if it's a special event or a holiday or something, I always put on Party Hard by Andrew WK. It's just, or or Ready to Die by Andrew WK. Probably those two back to back. It's just, (laughs) it's just what gets me going, man. I don't know. And then my days off, I love myself some bro country. Um, Florida Georgia Line Sundays, always put that on. Just open the windows, open the the back door, you know, and just just listen to the to the river behind me. Put Sundays on, have a have a nice cold drink. And then you got like Thomas Rhett and Dirks Bentley, who I played the other week. Um, or or on the flip side, again depends on my mood. I do have uh, a love for white boy reggae, so I'll throw on some like Ballyhoo or Iration. 
all good stuff, man. You guys got to listen out. And then there's another thing, like late at night, if I'm just chilling, bad day at work or long stretch of a bad day at work or whatever, I'll uh, I'll sit out back, I'll listen to the river, I might have like a dark beer or a glass of whiskey or whatever, and I'll put on something like John Mayer or Joshua Radin, uh, or Radin, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but, you know, just some like smooth sounds. Um, when Logan Campbell was on the episode, um, he talked about Continuum by John Mayer, oh, silky smooth, I could just listen to John Mayer, like I just... My nephew was into him for so long, and now I'm into him. It's perfect. Basically, you know, music is just a peacekeeper in my mind. I love music. It's always on, or I'm always thinking about it, or I wish I was more talented and I could play an instrument more than, you know, strum out a few chords badly. Um, You know, I've even played music, like I said, not very well, and I've promoted concerts, which Eric and I are going to talk about at, at quite lengthy uh, part in our discussion in just a few minutes. So anyway, I just, I'm about to transition to that conversation, but I wanted to talk about music because it is such an important part of my life. So I'm wondering, what do you listen to? What do you like to listen to in different situations? What's your go-to hype song? I ask that every week. Or what song mellows you out? Or like, what would be your go-to karaoke song? Like, What's a fun song for you? I want to know. So call me up. 352-610-1692. Tell me what music you like, and uh, I'll play your messages next week, and who knows, maybe I'll add to my uh, my growing playlist. Speaking of the playlist, if you want to hear what I do listen to and kind of like what I'm into, go on Spotify, look up the 108 Music playlist, and um, it's perfect for the gym or the squad car or, or whatever, so check that out. Anyway, uh, that's kind of the intro for today. I didn't really have much planned, so I figured we'd talk a little bit of music. But of course, I'm talking to myself. That's why I want you guys to call me, and we can have this discussion next week. So now, that being said, let's go talk to Eric Botsford. Um, some backstory on how he and I met. Uh, back in November, I did a best facial hair bracket, and um, I did that for No Shave November. Eric didn't win, but he should have because... it. If you check out his his profile, his mustache is magnificent. And that's how uh, we came to be uh, associated. And he's a great guy. He's a badass cop. We have a lot in common. So uh, check it out. And here we go. There's nothing I can do. She keeps on looking back at you. Because she's way too fine for me. That's what she thinks. But I don't care. There's nothing I can say to make her come my way You know I'd say anything after a couple of drinks Cause I don't care Cause that's the way that I like it title of the story optimist prime so this was very early in the morning during phase one uh we had a little restaurant that we always went to i went to this restaurant and it was uh just like you know like a bagel world or something and we're, we're 10 8 at like 6 in the morning 6 10 we get a call for a stolen uh 18 wheeler from behind Publix. so naturally um so Turns out, also, I didn't know this either. You can buy an automatic semi-truck. I had no idea. I was like, oh, yeah, they're all... I didn't, I didn't know those existed. That's what I said. I was like, yeah, they're all, like, 18-speed. <laughs> they're complicated. No, apparently they also have automatic ones. 
Uh, oh, wow. So we're like, all right, crap, you know, other crap, food in the car, let's go. Uh, we drive on over, and it's right in, like, a nice suburb area, and there is this clearly confused person driving an 18-wheeler very slowly <laughs> down a small two-lane road. So we're like, all right, let's go handle it. Uh, so we get up there, we're yelling at him, uh, get out of the car, get out of the car. And uh, he's like, I don't know where the handle is. I've never driven one of these before. <laughs> I was like, well, find it. It's got to be somewhere on the side. You know, get, you know, get out or we're going to get you out. Was it ask, tell, make? Um, yeah. So eventually he just rolled the window down and jumped out of the window. Oh, God. Of the truck. And this man looked like Encino Man, like beard, messed up hair, <laughs> really short cotton shorts, and a dress shirt that was off by one button. And it was great. Like, we're like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I was out for a jog, and I went to get some juice, and then I ended up in this truck. And I was like, I'm sorry. There's a lot of steps missing in the middle of it. <laughs> right. So... Let's let's try and go. Let's at least get your name. Where's your IDs? I don't have my driver's license. I don't have anything on me. You know. Okay. So what's your name? And he just looks at me dead in the eyes and says, "Optimus Prime." And I'm like, "Okay." And I was like, <laughs> "This is gonna be a long day." So we uh we had one of the Florida State Troopers came out and he had the rapid ID. Where for those who don't know, uh -huh. you know just, uh, scan your thumbprint. You go have them up if they've been thumbprinted before. And, you know, I had money. This guy's been printed before. Yeah, so it comes up, and he's like, fine, I'm Kurt Ferguson. I thought he said Turd Ferguson. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, dude, this is literally going to say your name. And the trooper looks at it, he's like, no, it's actually Curtis Ferguson. And I was like, fine. So, so we bring him in, and we're like, you know, and they're like, all right, rookie, so it's your first, like, week. We're going to let you do the interrogation just to see what you can do. Find out what he's about. It's like, okay, why not? So... We're, we sit down, we, we bring him back, we're talking to him, and he's just like, yeah, so I went to go get juice. I was on a run to the Publix, got juice. And I was like, okay, well, why are you in a dress shirt? He's like, well, it's less laundry. I wore it last night, and I'm wearing it this morning, so I'm just sweating in the same shirt. I just wash it once, which is actually some pretty sound logic. I was like, that's not the worst thing. I've heard worse. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Um, yeah, and he no, like drew no, a map from the apartment complex where he lived, like out and about and around. Like this is my normal route, which also made sense. And I was like, okay, so you would run to your route, then buy juice and go home. Then where's your wallet? And he just like looks me dead in the eye. He's like, okay, I haven't had my handle of vodka this morning, and I wanted to drive the truck. I was like, all right, there you go. So, long story short, <laughs> Optimus Prime, because I wrote the report, I made sure to add in his alias for the rest of his life as Optimus Prime. Um, so, in all official documentation, he is Curtis Optimus Prime Ferguson. And uh, I think his warrant says it somewhere, too, for <laughs> aliases. And, uh, yeah, it, it was fun. And, of course, we're like, okay, we'll set him down. But he got charged for, I want to say, the truck was 80 grand. The trailer was about 40 grand. And the amount of EB eggs on the inside equated to $33,000. <laughs> I was like, all right. So lots of grand theft. And naturally, he crapped in my car. Uh, so, of course. That's... I was like, first felony investigation down. Right, right. And, and you know, first that there's a lot of firsts in that one. Oh, yeah. I was like, if this is law enforcement, I'm here for the long ride. This is fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a good one. I, I oh, haven't yeah. had a semi 
Um, but I have been involved. Someone in, uh, stole a front loader from a construction site. Nice. Yeah. So it was the call came in. Someone was like, you know, there's someone working in the construction site, but it's like two o'clock in the morning. It doesn't make sense. So I, I wasn't part of the initial investigation or the investigation at all, but I'm listening to it on the radio and, and my, my squad mates are like, yeah, we see someone he's, he's working, he's lifting up gravel. He's putting it down. It, it doesn't make sense, but he's, he's working. So they're trying to flag him down and he sees him, And then he just like turns the front loader and barrels through the gate, just like straight through the wall and just goes. <laughs> and they're like, um, it's, it's fleeing. And they're like, what do you mean it's fleeing? It's like, it's, it's going down this street. Uh, we're not behind it because they were on foot trying to flag them down. And uh, so at this point, like it's going one way and I'm coming from the other direction. So I'm like, oh, there's like two roads that come in and out of this neighborhood. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take one. And of course I chose the wrong one because who's going to miss the front loader? Well, I did. <laughs> um, anyway, we get a call later, like within five minutes saying, oh, uh, someone's calling in that there's a front loader going down the main road. Um, they think they think it's kind of suspicious. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so <laughs> we go there and uh, we end up traffic stopping the guy and he stops and uh, he hops out of the si- the passenger si- what would be the passenger side of the vehicle and he like hops down like he's going to run but because the front loader is kind of off the ground uh, I guess he like rolled his ankle and we ended up just jumping on him but that's another one like that is not like a, a car it has very specific levers and buttons I don't even know how to drive one but it's not a car. So the fact that he was able to get it as far as he did oh, was very impressive. impressive. It's probably like uh, one of those guys that had one of those, you know, where they put in the yard the kid's toy with the front hoe on it and stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh, He's probably yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking what I learned from that and somehow got it out of there. Somehow, somehow. He's like an idiot savant. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive <laughs> the amount of things that people that shouldn't know things know. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then uh, I don't know the postscript of the story. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was on. But uh, my favorite thing is so we released the video to the news. And um, at one point, we're like, we were kind of talking as we were loading the guy. I'm like, oh, we could have just thrown stop sticks. And this old time country guy that was on our squad goes, you can't stop stick that. <laughs> and I don't know, for some reason, that was the quote. And we wanted to make like squad shirts out of it and everything. We never did. But that was that was it. That was a good oh, that's one. That's great. Yes. So, Mr. Optimus Prime Stopper himself, we have Eric Bosford today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me for uh, for another amazing episode. Great to be here. So, uh, let's start with uh, the beginning. Let's uh, tell us about who you are, where you're from, what you do, and we're going to go from there. So, my name is Eric Bosford. Um, I'm currently with the uh, Eastern Kentucky University Police Department out in Richmond, Kentucky. Um Prior to that, I was yeah, currently an SRO as well, so that's a whole gaggle of stories. And then before that, I was with the uh, Brevard County Sheriff's Office in Florida. Uh, I was a motorcycle deputy, traffic homicide investigator, FTO, and regular road deputy, and it was a really good time. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. I actually I know of quite a few Brevard deputies that follow me um, and listen, so that's cool. Um, Brevard's not too far from where I am, so kind of. I actually used to do. Um, like music promotion down in Coco. So, really? Yeah. Yeah. Way back when, before law enforcement, and everything, um, I was in a band a long time ago. And when I came down to Florida, couldn't get a band together, but I worked with one of the promoters from up there. They wanted to extend down to Florida. They kind of used 
my knowledge and my contacts and uh we went to coco that's a long story it wasn't great didn't didn't work out too well we had a couple big bands come through uh the biggest one was like agnostic front i don't know if you know that okay. is, but they're like a new york city hardcore band from like the 80s or so um but it was fun it was it was good good time Oh, yeah. Decent area. There's some good small venues out there because I actually, my first high school job was at the Coca Village Playhouse okay. as their bass player. Okay, wow. So that, that was definitely a cool high school job. And then um, went from there, um, of course, through school, did that one year of business school and realized that's not what I'm going to do for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I left play bass for cruise ships for about two and a half years with Carnival in Holland, America. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, came home and I was like, you know what? I'd want to stay in my county. And, you know, Police Academy was right there and ready to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, I but ended up, while, while during my career, I ended up playing a lot of great venues out there. Murdoch's, um, saw a lot of shows at the Outdoor Amphitheater. I know that might have been after your time promoting. Yeah, yeah. So how long, so that kind of segues into it. So you're also a musician. I tried to be. Um, yeah. So what, what all do you play? How long have you been playing? Man, got my first guitar. Started learning at seven, but not as good to explain that I started at seven. Um, primarily I'm a bass player now. Um, okay. I got really in the bass. Uh, I played violin for like a year and I had always had these fat sausage fingers and my dad had a couple jazz posters and I was like, Oh, what's that thing over there? It's like, it's a bass. And thank God my mom drove a station wagon because it was one day at school. I was like, let's just switch. So she comes to pick me up from school in like sixth grade. And here I am walking out with a giant upright bass. Um, <laughs> that was my primary instrument forever. And then ended up taking that. And that's when I got the job with the, the cruise lines. But here in Kentucky, most of I'm playing guitar. I play a uh, acoustic guitar with an acoustic duo called Nightshade, and a uh, rhythm guitar with a group called Nightshade and Company, the bigger version. Okay, very cool, yeah. very cool. And do you just kind of play mostly covers? You play your own stuff? A little bit or... of both. Um, well, both of us are uh, singer songwriters, um, so it's been really good uh, for us around here. Just kind of promote some what songs that we write, uh, as well as you know, covers definitely get the people out there. Um, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know back when we used to play, so I was in a, a kind of ska punk band. Uh, the guy that ran the band with me um, was not a big fan of covers, um, whereas I was, especially as like a newer band and a new scene, like covers is what gets people listening. Um, you know, we, we got we had like a nice sound of our own stuff, but people want to hear what they know and then they're going to listen more. But um, that's always how I felt. And then when I kind of started playing music in Florida. That was when, um, we started playing, I started playing some acoustic guitar, not very well, not as good as you, but, uh, me and the guy that I played with, we did the same thing, some covers and, uh, some originals as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I kind of love the ska scene that we had. There's, you know, surprisingly, there's no ska here in Eastern Kentucky. That's but, so uh, surprising. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I remember growing up, uh, when we were, at least Brevard County, um, it was go play in traffic was our big local ska band. Okay. And okay. they were so much fun. We'd go to shows, um, you know, like just like garage shows. Like none of us were of any age to go to an actual yeah. venue. Um, they'd right, play yep. a few here and there, but it's not like we could get in. So we'd go yeah. watch them. And of course, like, you know, it'd be super amazing to have the, uh, what was it, when Warp Tour was coming around. Mm-hmm. So I'll go out there, put on our checkerboard vans, and go see, you know, all our heroes, <laughs> really fish, less than Jake, Streetlight. And, yeah. But there, there's no scene like that around here. Here it's, you know, we have, uh, we have uh, both types of music here in Richmond, uh, country and Western. <laughs> right, right. Actually, um, I just came from a couple days in Nashville, and uh, 
So I definitely understand that. And oh felt, yeah, that that's an inspirational place to be for sure. Yeah, and you know I'm not huge in the country. I mean I enjoy it, but I wasn't huge. And we did uh, the tour of the Country Music Hall of Fame, and then the next day we did Grand Ole Opry, and I was like, wow, like it was very awe inspiring for sure. Oh definitely, yeah, because like I never wrote in Florida, and I came here and um, did a trip to Nashville, and like the next two months after I wrote like 13 songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was great. And, you know, just being able to work with the, like, there's a really good music scene around here, singer, songwriter, acoustic folks. Mm-hmm. And it's been definitely nice to be surrounded by the same kind of mentality, like Florida, where if you're not an eighties, seventies, sixties cover band, no one's booking. Right. Yeah. So, yep. and I, I experienced that firsthand because when the, um, promotion company reached out to me, the guy's buddy that he was going to be like the Florida contact when we were working together, we were going to go to one bar, but we weren't a cover band or we, we didn't do cover bands. We did all originals and we got booted out. They're like, nope, we want we want people that can play big parties and have mass appeal and, and cover bands or whatever. So we tried mm-hmm. a few other small venues that didn't work. And then that's how we wound up in Coco. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's, it's so funny, too, because there's some venues that only want originals mm-hmm. and some that limit them, which I was like. Okay, like if they want them, you know, if I'm getting requests for originals, I'm gonna start playing them. So right, yeah, and you know what I, what I heard from some venues, depending, is like if you play too many covers, then you have to worry about, I guess, royalties or something like that. Is that something? Yeah, so certain vent, so the venue has to pay for licensing and royalties. So it's um, like there's some venue like it's the same as kind of like production royalties, where if like if they're playing music over the radio, they have to pay just royalties for that. Uh, if they have a TouchTunes okay. account and they just let songs play without people paying for them, that's a royalties account. Um, here it's act, I think I'm not sure how much it is. I want to say I've heard it's $600 a year for a bar to have live music um, okay. come play, and pretty much it just spreads out with the royalties to the companies that produce it, just to say, okay, we have live, you know, a live musician here. They'll probably be covering some of your tunes. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, kind of. They can get bad with that too. Like you try playing covers in a venue that doesn't have it. Yes. Like fines on fines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially what we had in our set, we had a couple covers, like the covers that we did have. We integrated it to our originals, so that was part of our show. Like we would kind of, and we had so many promoters or, or bar managers be like, "Nope, can't can't play that one." Or or we would we would sound check to like um, "My Own Worst Enemy" by Lit. That was oh, yeah. our, our go-to. And they were like, bro, you guys you guys can't do that. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. We did it anyway. <laughs> but um, I want to say we're probably close in age. How old are you? 29 now. Okay. So you're, you're, you're a year younger than me. And when did you move up to Kentucky? Uh, 2018 and 2018. Okay. So I got to start thinking of dates now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. So we were kind of – because I was promoting, I would say – I only did it about a year and a half. I want to say 12 to 13 or so. Okay. Um, so I did Coco. I did Sanford. Um, mm-hmm. That was like the bulk of what I did. Oh, there's so um, many good venues in Sanford. Yeah. Uh, do you know the West End? Oh, of course. Yeah. That's where I did a few shows there. They started um, a summer ska fest and I was, I did the first two years of it. And uh, the first year we did it, I booked uh, Whole Wheat Bread as the like the headliner, mm-hmm. and then the second year we did the Super Villains because they're very well known in the area. Um, oh yeah, they're great. Now, uh, what's what's the bass player's name? Uh, so it's, it's not Bo. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm gonna be so mad. His wife Stacy is part of the podcast group that we're uh, in. So I was I was a, I'm a big Tom and Dan follower from Orlando. Okay. 
And um, okay. there's a few episodes where I'm the go-to call-in cop when Tom has questions. But um, but her husband was the uh, is the bass player for Supervillains. And I remember there was one show. He came out to watch our band play. I was in Cover Story in Bavard County, again, cover bands. And um, he came out, and, you know, something about just dudes, bass players, and beer resulted in him saying, I've never lost an arm wrestling match. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So there's a photo somewhere I'll send it to you of him and I arm wrestling in the middle of Tracy's Lounge in Melbourne, Florida. And I do have to oh, say, wow. I beat him right and left-handed. It was the first time. But he's <laughs> such a nice guy. Phenomenal bass player. He could blow me out of the water bass player-wise. But I want to say I want to say his name is Dan? I don't, I don't know. It's going it's like to be it now. Yeah, I will find that... Uh, I'll find that picture. I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. We, uh, I, when I first moved to Florida, the first show I, I went to was at some sketchy bar here and uh whole wheat bread played. And then I ended up working at that bar as a bar back because I wanted to get into promotion. Mm-hmm. And the owner was like, yeah, come bar back with me and I'll kind of get you into it. Um, that never happened, but I did get to see, uh, misfits play. I got to see super villains, oh, yeah. um, Eddie money play. Like it, it was a good gig. Afro man, that was that was an experience. Oh yeah. Um, so through that, I found the supervillains because I saw them open for Real Big Fish and the English Beat like years prior, but I didn't really listen mm-hmm. to them. I was just like, all right, whatever, because uh, I wasn't really into the reggae rock sound at that point. And then um, I just kept following them around. I saw them in St. Augustine. I saw them in Jacksonville, wherever, all over. So it got to the point where they knew my face. We talked a couple times that they were playing once at a club here, like a nightclub, totally not their scene, but they, you know, it was a uh, spring break event. They got paid good money for it. And uh, they saw me and I had to leave early and they're like, Hey man, where are you going? Like on the mic in the middle of a set. I was like, we're homies. Yes. Now. This is cool. And then uh, a few years ago, I want to say three years ago now, um, I saw them in Melbourne. I can't remember the bar though. And, uh, it was like, I never stopped seeing them. It was, it was really cool. They're, they're good guys. It wasn't sports page. Was it? It was not sports page. I know Afro man came through there. Super villains came through there twice a year Yeah, and we'd always go there for that. Yeah. yeah Super villains for a while. Like they were doing the Florida circuit multiple times a year. Um, Oh yeah. They've kind of, well, Corona killed all live music, but, um, they kind of, they kind of stopped playing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you also so we'll go back to law enforcement for a minute. Mm-hmm. So you said you work for a college, right? Uh, yes, currently. Okay, so which is pretty interesting because a guest I'm going to have later in the month has experience as a campus police officer. So what is that like? It's definitely different. Uh-huh. Um, I recommend it for anybody that would make a good day shift officer for the simple fact that no matter where you're at, you you know you are slightly worried about campus politics. Um, you know, you definitely gotta, you know, show a good face. Um, and it, it, but it, it's good. I do like it. Uh, compared to yeah. work for, uh, Brevard, it's definitely a slower pace. Uh, we have a for good, sure. yeah, yeah, we have a good group of students here. Um, EKU is not like as heavy of a party school as it was advertised back in the day. Um, I think back in the eighties, Playboy named it the number one party school in the United States. Oh, okay. And we're not there anymore. Like back in the day, like the city of Richmond, there's like strips of bars that are now like family court and lawyers offices. Oh, okay. So things changed, but, uh, yeah. but we, we have a good campus. Um, you know, we definitely seem to have a good group of folks. Um, haven't had anything, you know, too overly terrible here. Um, a lot of colleges as well give you free tuition while you work there. 
-hmm. And like that's for me, spouse, kids, which is a real good sell to get people to come to the university. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's actually why I joined the police academy. It didn't work out that way, but that's why I was looking into going to University of Florida and I couldn't afford it. I could, well, I could afford the school, but I couldn't afford to live there or whatever. It was a whole bunch of things. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go be a cop. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go be a UF cop and then I'm going to get free tuition and then I'll go do what I want to do. And that just never happened. I got recruited and here there I am. There you go. <laughs> and, the, and as they say, the rest is history. But um, So what kind of calls for service do you deal with as a campus cop? Let's see. A lot of key services, a lot of opening people's doors. Um just because we have one of those big old key rings full of every key you could imagine. <laughs> right, right. The janitor ring. Exactly. Um, yeah. So rocking one of those. But uh, lately, what we've had a lot of is identity theft. We've had, uh, I think there was a breach in the insurance, and now they're trying to, you know, file for unemployment on every like every employee. Okay. And I think we've had like 50 this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm just dealing with that. Um I'm trying to think. Uh, sometimes vehicle theft. A lot. A lot of times, it's people you know not knowing where their kid is because the first time on their own. Mm. Uh, but and of course, you know, you got students in a dorm, people next to each other. So all the weed calls, of course, are like, "Oh, it smells yeah, like yeah. marijuana in here." But you know, yeah, you know, just trying to pinpoint it, help them out, or at least you know, tell them not to be a fire hazard. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not. Is is weed legal up there? No, uh, not yet. I, I think the bill went to the next step, but so far, no. Because Florida, are y'all? I know medicinal. Is it recreational yet? We're not recreational yet. Okay. It's it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, it's pretty much decriminalized statewide. Like you can get a citation for it, but that's about. Yeah, it. I remember Orlando. I think Cocoa Beach went to it, um, and it, I was working out in Cape Canaveral, so it was uh, mm-hmm. it was it was real close, but you know. Cape Canaveral, there's always worse things around than weed uh, to occupy right, my time right. anyway. So, right, and that's that's how we all feel about it. I mean, it's if it's it's a good way to get in people's pockets. Um, things have changed for us as far as like processes and like you can't if you smell it, you just can't go in a car or whatever. But um, you get creative. Um, like now, we got to ask if he has a medical marijuana card, and if they don't, well, then you're good. As long as they know that it's weed, not hemp, and so on and so forth, um, we made a pretty good felony case out of something mm-hmm. like that. So you you get creative, just like anything else in the job, and kind of go from there. Uh, what's your felony amount for Brevard was twenty grams. Yeah, more than twenty grams. Yeah. Okay, Kentucky, it's eight ounces. Oh, okay. Damn. It's a bit. Yeah. So I know because yeah. uh, we pulled over somebody uh, that was in one of the athletic teams, and they had I think one hundred and thirty grams. Right. And it's the same as having a joiner shake. That's crazy. We had, um, mm-hmm. but here's the thing: the the state prosecutor won't file those charges anyway. Even if we, even if we get someone with hay bales and we found someone with like vacuum seal, uh, maybe the vacuum seal is a stretch. But we found someone with a lot of weed on them, clearly marked for sale. We arrested them, took the ride, beat the charge because the prosecutor just didn't want to file on it because. Now that they've changed the laws, mm-hmm. the case law is going to change, and whatever case law there is right now, it's not strong, it's not fortified, and that's kind of where it is. Um, and I know the the federal standard mm-hmm. for trafficking of of weed is just astronomical. Like it's not even you're not going to unless you pull over a semi, you're not getting that. So it's yeah. Let's see what else did you say? You said you were a SRO as well. Yeah, so I'm doing that now. So on on our campus, so I was a night shift. Uh... Uh, university cop for about a year. Oh yeah, lots of drunk students. That's the big night shift thing. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, for sure, for sure. 
That's that's what I when you say campus cop, that's what I saw. Like I was thinking oh, yeah. breaking up all the parties. Yeah, I was thinking I was like two, that, I was yeah. like two years in SRO now. I'm like, man, it's been so long since I'm night shift to remember like what college stuff goes on then. But oh yeah, I think my, my favorite we had one student. We were just hanging out, it was me and my sergeant at like one in the morning. Just talking about motorcycles, hanging out in front of a dorm. And this dude walks up, he gets dropped off from a car, and he walks up with a backpack on and sees me and my sergeant standing at the door. And we always look at him. He looks at us, looking again, doing the, the thing. And he, like, thinks he's super sneaky and, like, gives us this look, like, pulls his backpack off, pulls out a bottle of Evan Williams that's been half drank, sticks it in a bush, puts the backpack on, and throws it over. And we're watching him the whole time. I think he's too drunk to realize what he's doing. Yeah, and then yeah. walks up and we're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and he went that night for uh, AI, <laughs> alcohol intoxication violation. But I was like, if you just walked in your dorm, you would have been in bed by now. I was like, come on, right. man. Yeah, for sure. Are you, are you guys a dry county or a dry school or anything like that? Um, uh, you can't have anything on campus. Um, okay. But I think he was underage, which didn't help his case. Uh, right. But there, there's a lot of like cheaper housing around the campus. So a mm-hmm. lot of people that they live on campus is because they're freshmen. Um, gotcha. Or they're like an RA and they're being paid to be there. Or they just like it, but there's so much housing around like right next to campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I went to school in Connecticut and the same mm-hmm. idea. But I, I was only there for a year, so I don't know how the upperclassmen did things. I know there was a lot of on-campus housing. And again, there all the... Well, I want to say the neighborhood the school was in wasn't the greatest, so people weren't taking the off-campus housing mm-hmm. all that much, but there were still parties and, and whatnot all the, all the times. So how – okay, so how are you – so you're on a college campus, but you're a school resource officer. How does that work? Right. So there is a K-12 on our campus. Okay. Um, it's, it's actually this year, it was officially named by the state, Kentucky's, Kentucky state lab school. Okay. okay. So, so the nice thing about it is for the education students at EKU, they can walk over and do all their observations on their own college campus. Um, the employees that are there are employed by Eastern Kentucky university. Uh, so it's all one big working system, but the school has been around since I want to say the sixties. Okay. Um, so it's got a lot long history. I mean, it's crazy too, how we came from Florida to here because my wife's job. But the school that I'm the SRO at is actually where my father-in-law went to school from eighth through tenth grade. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So it's it's real fun, but it's it's definitely it's it's cool. I like it. Um, definitely the K through twelve atmosphere. Like the younger kids, you know, you're basically a superhero, which is yes. really fun. Yes, I like that a lot. And then uh, the older kids, they're cool because it, it dwindles down really. Like kindergarten, also there's like ninety to a hundred of them, and then I think the graduating senior class this year is about like thirty students. Oh. That's not bad at all. No, it, it, it's manageable. Uh, we have good kids. Uh, you have to pay tuition to go. Um, that definitely makes a difference. Yes, and there's a lot of good features with it as well. We just became an Apple school like two years ago, so every student has an iPad. Uh, there's like computer programming classes. It's it's really impressive um, mm-hmm. as far as it goes for a school. Um, but, yeah, it's all within the Eastern Kentucky University ban of things. That's cool. Where I went to school in Connecticut, they actually, as I was leaving, they were um, opening up their on-campus K through 12 as well, mm. or maybe in K through six or something. But same same concept as yours. Um, it was it was it was it was not a private school. Um, students who were education students got to go there for everything, mm-hmm. and same same uh, same system. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great uh, for the high school students too. I was thinking about that. You know, good for EKU, of course, coming in for their students, but. For our high school students, 
they can walk to the dual enrollment classes. So for the seniors, I know yeah. some that have it like fourth, fifth period, and they'll just go walk to campus, and then they come back for the rest of their classes that day, which is really great for them so they get a jump start on their college. Yeah, that was – you know, that's something that I learned about when I moved to Florida. We didn't have it up in Jersey, but it, I think it's, it's a double-edged mm-hmm. sword because you've got, you know, the, the good squared-away kids, they get their dual enrollment done, and they can kind of progress into the junior year of college if they play their cards right. But then you kind of get – especially like the school by me right now is a community college. So you get every walk of life going through there, some less than desirable people, but then you've got these impressionable high school mm-hmm. students as well. So, and I've seen it in, in classes. I feel like, uh, like Bob Saget, yeah. I've seen it where these kids come in and suddenly they're mixing with the wrong crowd. And that's kind of yeah. not so good, but but uh, it's it's cool. I wish I wish we had dual enrollment in Jersey. I would have oh, taken yeah. advantage of that for sure. It took me probably like eight years to get my associates because of all mm-hmm. the things that happened in life. But you know, whatever. Um, I like what you said about um, being the superhero to little kids when you walk up in uniform. That's that's one of the last like bastions of like. Oh yeah, cause, yeah. They they're not you know molded by the media. Don't have their any bad thoughts or. No, it's like, you know, this person is here to help me. And it's great. I mean, anyway. yeah, because like whenever it's like career day or anything, they all dress up in their career. I always have a gaggle of cops that come up too. They're just like, you know, like for about, about probably kindergarten through like fourth grade. They're like, hey, I'm you. And it's like super fun. And, and very randomly too, <laughs> sometimes I'll get the student that wears the fake tattoo sleeves to literally just be just like me. I was just going to say that. I was just best. thinking that. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> I bet they ate up the mustache too. Oh yeah, oh, I miss it so much. So I shaved <laughs> I was, it. I, um, actually, yeah, had, I was going to ask. Yeah, I had an interview with um, with a correctional facility, waiting on all that. So it's not official yet. But you ever seen Orange Is the New Black? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I trimmed the wings a little bit and it looked just like porn stash. <laughs> I was like, maybe i shouldn't go into a correctional facility interview looking like not the best character of the show <laughs> so not. yeah so i shaved it off and i was like oh, i do miss it but and of course the whole entire interview i wore a mask so didn't so matter anyway know. yeah yeah mm. but it's all right you know I, I can grow it back i'm still using all the products i can from can you handle bar um okay like i okay. use their daily lotion every day um I, i'll actually use their beard oil on just the stubble um, use their, um, beard wash as my shampoo. Like they're still an awesome company. I still use all their products. Um, but they're, they're really good folks too. They've, um, provided me with a discount code just to pass around. I don't make any money off of it because my last name's Botsford. It's uh, B-O-T-S 15. You get 50% off your entire order. So very nice. Good to know. Very nice. I'm going to have to get some, uh, facial hair growing tips from you. Cause I'm having issues. Over there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's definitely a lot in my jeans. And then I got some kid on Amazon that was like, this will work. And it's basically just like a small wheel with needles all over it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just roll it on your face and then like throw serum on it. It worked for my patches here, but the mustache, like it was just terrible. Cause I always do November every year and I've got mm-hmm. photos of just being terrible and wispy after like a month of growth. And I'm like, grow it, shave it, grow it, shave it. And one day it just came out and it was just a mustache, like a mustache. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's <laughs> right. all I had to do right. was just shave it and grow it a lot. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Because every time I start growing it, I look like, you know, either dirt lip or like some 
very bad drug dealer. Or is, is bad. <laughs> hey, that's good for undercover work, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so what what are some of your favorite uh, aspects of the job? What do you like doing the most? Obviously, you worked motors. You worked traffic homicide. Is that Was that kind of your bread and butter? I love motors. Uh, again, the mustaches came with the territory of that as well. Yeah, um, sure. I don't know if there's like a certain number of tickets you have to write to get a mustache, but I think I definitely <laughs> Maybe uh, that's what it was. Yeah, but I loved it. It was because uh, I originally got into law enforcement after cruise ships. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was looking at going to the Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. I grew up with Harleys. Uh, like the Motorcycle Mechanics Institute for Harley-Davidson CERT or Police Academy in Brevard County. And as, as you know, I think uh, you said you were picked up while you were in Academy? Yeah. Yep. So I, was, I explained this in Kentucky. Not a thing. You are hired before you're even allowed to apply to Academy. Correct. Yep. Yep. And I was trying to explain like, yeah, it's like the NFL draft. If you suck, you just paid a, mon- a bunch of money to not get hired. And it's really funny to try and explain that. And they're like, that, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, it, it makes it competitive. You're yeah, the best you that you can be. But, uh, yeah, so uh, motorcycle mechanic school is 43 grand, and police academy was three. <laughs> and I was really into physical fitness. Um, I was able to show tattoos to my agencies. I got a lot of these uh, when I was working on the ships. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll be a musician forever. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. You know, my <laughs> right. labor couldn't handle it. And uh, so I went to police academy, and uh, but I always wanted to be a motor, and I was able to do that with the Brevard County Sheriff's Office. And uh, the city of Cape Canaveral designates one motor for the entire, uh, like pretty much the, the unit's ten people, nine's the whole county, one is Cape Canaveral. Oh wow! And, okay. and normally it's like the rookie gets stuck there, and then when there's an opening on countywide, they transfer over, a new guy goes to Canaveral. Uh, but I knew I was going to be leaving soon with my wife's job because that's what brought us mm-hmm. up here. She's with the federal government, and. Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay in Canaveral. I'm having a good time here. And I let the next two guys go right to countywide, uh, okay. which okay. they still thank me for here and there, which is nice. But I loved <laughs> right. I had a great relationship with the city. It was fun. Uh, I definitely say motors is probably my, my favorite part. Uh, yeah. You know, getting paid to ride a motorcycle in Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach, uh, Merritt Island. It was amazing. But, yeah. uh, well, I mean, I, I also love night shift, too. I mean, just going out there, you know, getting to see some crazy things that you'd never see. Uh, having some, you know, real experiences that definitely help you grow as a person, not only just the traumatic crap you see, but I don't know, there's something in you that changes a little bit when uh, you kick down your first door with a rifle and say, all right, let's do this. And uh, yeah, you don't know what you're going to go in there and see, but there's definitely something like, you know, bungee jumping, but you don't know what's going to happen at the end. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, that's funny. I was talking to someone today about ride-alongs. I had a ride-along and uh, I ended up kicking a door in. No, no rifle, but it was a suicidal female who locked the door on us. And, uh, mm-hmm. long story short, I kicked the door in. She wasn't doing anything. It was fine, but it was just, yeah. Kicking the door in and you don't know what's going to be on the other side of that door. You're like, here we go. Like, you know, yep. it's, uh, for, for my case. So I'll have to edit this part out probably, but, mm-hmm. um, so she, we got called to her house cause she was her grand granddaughter caught her, uh, slicing her wrist in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So we run code there, busting the door was not locked at that point. They let us in and I walk in and she is standing right next to me going, just going to town on her wrist. And I'm like, stop. And she's like, okay. And just like puts it. I'm like, and she's like, it looks so bad. Right. She wasn't, she wasn't going down. She was going across, but still I like grabbed the first towel I saw wrapped it around her arm. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, you know, it was her coping mechanism, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, some people do that. Well, then we take, we bake her after we take her to the hospital. 
uh, me and the ride along, we go, I think we handled like another call and a half. Uh, the Baker Act was, or the hospital was very busy that night. So we go to dinner, we just sit down to dinner, and the call comes out that the Baker Act took off from the hospital. <laughs> the The security just let her walk out. I guess she said that, they said that she went to the bathroom, which was right by the door. No one paid attention to her, and she just walked out when no one was watching her. So me and the me and the rookie go back to the hospital, like, what the hell? And uh, whatever. So we end up going back to the house, and sure enough, she's the granddaughter's there. She's like, we can't get in. She locked the door, yada, yada. I'm like, all right, it's going in. So I, I boot the door, and the chick, the, the female, is sitting on the or no, she's standing by the couch. She's got a drink in her hand and she's got a cigarette. And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "She's like, I got tired of waiting, so I went home." And I'm like, "I get that, but you can't just walk out of the hospital under the Baker Act." And she's like, "Oh." She's like, "Well, I'm not suicidal anymore. I just wanted to go home." I'm like, "Come with me." And I took her to the hospital. But uh, and then I had to sit with her for the rest of the night to make sure that didn't happen again. But so the big question now is, did your ride along stay in law enforcement? He is actually on my department right now. That's awesome. Yes. That means it went well. <laughs> yeah. No, he. Oh, my God. I, I told the guy today. He was like, every time he walks by me, he's like, you were the best ride along I've ever had. Oh, I love I'm it. Like, Man. Yeah, I, I here's the thing. I, you know, we always make jokes about ride-alongs, and yeah, sometimes it can be a little inconvenient or whatever. But for the most part, it's 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 okay. If you have a good rider, it's a good. Oh, time. oh, for sure. Yeah, we, I had one. He was a dispatcher, and he was looking to get into it. And I don't know what it was, but there's this like pond. And I was working in East Precinct, Merritt Island, and there's this gator that everyone just called the monster. And being the traffic guy, I went out. I worked a lot of crashes. And this gator would just go out to the front of the road on the dark road. A car would run into it, and then it would go back in the lake. And this happened more than once. Oh, God. So, like, we had nights where me, my sergeant, and sometimes I'd take the ride along, like, if he was working, like, he was always like, let's go find it. So we go out and try and find this thing. And be like, all right, there it is. Because uh, there's a guy named Alligator Rob. Um, he's awesome dude. Uh, he was on the news all over the place. Was it two years ago, I think, when he caught Chance the Snapper, the alligator in Chicago? Okay. I think he's out of St. Augustine, if I'm correct, but real good guy. But he, he became, like, Chicago famous when he caught a gator out there. They flew him up. <laughs> okay. But uh, he's always our gator trap. It was so fun. But we never found it. But that was always fun to do when you have a good rider. And Like, did you ever did you ever do a ride-along before you got hired? I did. I did three. So I did mm-hmm. uh, one with, like, a smaller agency up by me. I did another one with, like, a medium size. And then I did where I ended up getting hired. Um, the first two were day shift, boring. Uh, one, we did like two traffic stops and then we checked out, we, we booted a door. Um, but it was like for some old lady that we thought was dead, she ended up just being deaf and couldn't hear them knocking on the door for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's awkward. And then, uh, <laughs> the, the second one, not so much, but the third one, license sirens, freaking you know, running after people that just robbed somebody. Like it, it was good. Those were, those were my favorite ride alongs. Oh yeah. That was, however, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I've, I've done one other ride-along since uh, when I was kind of looking for greener pastures. And um, so the guy knew I had some experience. And uh, the first call was like a well-being check. So we get there, and I get out of the car with him. I walk up to him. I'm not wearing a vest or anything, no weapon. And um, I walk up to him. We we do the whole thing. And then we get back in the car. He goes, hey, man, I know you got experience, but you're not armed. You don't have a vest. Just stay in the car when we get out with people. I said, okay, that's fine. No, no big deal. Later in the night, we respond code to an armed robbery. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in one of the we were in a county, but it was in a city jurisdiction. And uh, we get there, and the guy took off, whatever. And the canine is tracking. And he goes, "Hey, you want to go uh, walk the track with the canine?" I was like, "Man, are you crazy? Yeah, right. You just told me to stay in the car. <laughs> now you want me to track with the canine, who is more dangerous? Like, no, I don't want to mm-hmm. do that." That's so funny. Yeah, it's like you know this this fur thing on the end of this leash is literally just a suspect finder, right? <laughs> right. Like, what? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I, I became really good friends with uh, one of the guys I had to ride along with. He he became a motor at the agency. But I was like all brand new, totally green, and it was great. Yeah, we had some dude that was like apparently just shooting down the beach, not in the ocean, like not knocking titles in the ocean, just shooting a gun down the beach. Ugh. So I ran out there with him. I remember he got his ass chewed for uh, letting me get out of the car. But uh, he was like, yeah, he needed to see what was going on. If I got shot, he, I taught him how to hit the gun lock button to get the rifle. I'm like, yep, but... <laughs> he had a good buddy of mine and uh i mean we still talk to this day because yeah we were both both motors for different agencies but um okay. we had a good county uh unit called space coast motor officers and they host the rodeo every year but very good okay. interunit um communication very nice we uh the deputy or i'm sorry the officer that i rode with for my agency he left to become a deputy he was actually on the news um I'll have to show you after this for one of his saves he did in the county. He he did an amazing job. Um, and then one of the other officers I rode with is a sergeant somewhere now. And like, you know, but I've, I've never really kept in touch with people that I've uh, rode with. However, I will say that like some of the connections I made either in the academy with senior officers or when I first started with senior officers, like it's so important to latch on to those people. Like if you get someone good who's senior in your officer and they're willing to take you under their wing, like, Oh, yeah. oh my God, that is worth its mm-hmm. weight in gold. Do you, did you have any mentors like that when you, uh, when you started up? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of my first shifts. Um, where was I at? yeah, I had two guys that were great. One came from another agency and he came over to uh, the sheriff's office and, uh, buddy Andrew, he's a yeah definitely a good friend of mine. And, he, he, yeah, he had all the experience because he was new with me at the sheriff's office, but he wasn't new in law enforcement. So we were both learning, okay. you know, new things. So he was really humble about that, but also knew how to do law enforcement. You know, it's the same job everywhere you go, just what 10 codes are you using? Right. Yeah. Um, so that was really good to have him there. Um, made things definitely a lot easier transitioning. Um, and when I came to Canaveral, uh, a lot of people that were there wanted to be there for sure. And they were able to help out. Like, they're like, yeah, I've been here for 15 years, 20 years. Um, I had a corporal, Al McGron. He was really good at helping me with whatever I needed. Uh, I had a good sergeant as well, um, that same shift. And they they made it such a great experience. Like, I think it was actually a, like a Christmas party family photo of our squad somewhere in my house. But <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah, it was, it was great, great to have. And then, But we were such a young agency. There was one shift I was on. Besides my sergeant and corporal, I was senior at a year and a half. And that was scary. I'm like, don't ask me questions. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. But, you know, right. we're always learning. That's the other fun thing, too, about the job is we're learning something new every day. Like this October, I'll be in law enforcement about seven years now. And I'm still okay. learning something new every day. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I just uh, I just started my sixth year uh, a few weeks ago. Nice. So I, I definitely understand Congratulations. That. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you. Um, so the thing about being a junior guy on a senior squ- no sorry senior guy on a junior squad, mm-hmm. um, I had the same experience. We had a guy with total I want to say seventy years in law enforcement. Okay, not really, but he was uh, like it. Yeah, he had uh, 
He had a he was a sergeant at a sheriff's office, retired, came to us, had twenty years with us, and he was like in the twilight of his career. We had a guy that went to the academy with me, and then me. Mm-hmm. So that was the, oh, and and one other senior person. Um, but that was it. That was the seniority, and um, same thing. People like I I became the mentor on that squad because I was just kind of the. I don't want to say most approachable, but you got the older guy. You don't want to bother him with the silly questions. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else was kind of doing their own thing. One was an FTO. So he was always busy with a trainee. I wasn't. So everyone kind of came to me and I actually didn't mind. I actually enjoyed being the mentor. Um, I was like, but everything I said, I was always like, all right, this is what I would do, but you may want to double check yep. that just in case. But it was good because it actually got me to be, comfortable in doing the job on my own so then when it got time to roll out and do my own jobs i knew what to do because i've already explained it 30 times Mm -hmm. to the new guys so it it was good i actually i didn't mind it as much as some people all right man so what we're gonna do we're gonna get ready to wrap the interview up it it felt like it flew by but um unfortunately we do have some time uh restraints here so what we're gonna do I end every episode with a thing called mm-hmm. Signal 3. All right. If you could identify with a sandwich, what would it be? Ooh. Reuben. Meaty with a bit of zest. Ooh. I like that. Good <laughs> idea. Dream vacation destination. New Zealand. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. I, I was there on ships for a bit, and I loved it. Yeah. That's that's on my – so I've I, someone else has said this, or they said Australia, close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they're there. Obviously, the beauty's there and everything. Um just, I don't know if I can be on a plane for that long. If you get the upgrade, it's all you can drink the whole way there. I'm gonna for only six inches of difference, so it's like 150 bucks. I say this from experience from Orlando, Orlando to Atlanta, Atlanta LAX, LAX to Sydney. <laughs> you can do a lot of Doers White Label in a short amount That's of time. That's awesome. That that is some <laughs> good good knowledge right there. Oh yeah, doing lunges up and down the aisle to keep yourself sane and just talking to strangers. <laughs> if you can talk to people, you'll yeah. Love. There you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, what's your favorite movie? Pumping Iron. Okay. It, that's. I don't know why, but it's the only movie I've watched over ten times. Very nice. That's the that's the Arnold movie, right? Yeah, the docudrama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A pump is as good as coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. What is your go-to day off drink? Ooh, bullet bourbon. Okay. I've seen that a lot recently. I'm gonna have to check it out. It's very good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is one of your most embarrassing bonehead rookie moves? <laughs> so, um, I was a bit stressed out. I had some conflict with the two of the seniors, both trying to tell me different things. So it was just a real stressful situation. But, um, so we, we, you know, the ballistic shields, mm-hmm. Yeah. we rotated those on the ship. So nobody just had a ballistic shield. And I was like brand new off FTO. So I had it at this day. It just sits in the back seat. Um, and this kid had their bike stolen. Well, we found the bike, and they were like, hey, rookie, throw the bike in the back of the car. And this is in a Chevy Impala. So uh-huh. I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to stuff this thing in there. It's not fitting. So I take the shield, I put it on the side of the car. Oh, no. I pull the bike in, close the door, get a call from my supervisor. like, hey, where are you at? Hurry up. It's like, all right. Close the door. Actually, yeah, I pull it in. I go around the other side, close the door. I push it in one more time. And he's rushing me. So I'm like, all right, go and leave. And, of course... I leave the shield on the side of the car, drive off in one of the high crime areas. So when we oh, come wow. back right after the call, it's gone. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. yeah. So that was an IA. Uh, definitely not not a good time to go through an IA right after FTO. 
Uh, but I was an idiot. I deserved it. You know, I was just scatterbrained, new to the job. But it happens, you know, fall on your sword and yeah. you keep your job. That's another life lesson there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very, very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's your favorite place to hang out on duty? Uh, I don't really have a choice. I'm somewhere in the school now. but Yeah, probably in the uh, student union or in the cafeteria. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, Back when we had student unions before COVID. But, um, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, we have a... Uh, like just a hallway, just really cool teachers. I'll just walk up and down there, and whoever's out and about, I'll just you know have a good conversation with. Mm-hmm. We used to, or we still do. We have a security detail at the school over here, and I always like hanging out when there's a, like a sports game going on, like hanging out in the field. I don't care what it is. Like I'm not a huge soccer guy, but man, I will watch the shit out of some soccer if I'm working that detail. You ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, we worked uh, high school basketball for homecoming last night. It was delayed till now. Um, oh, wow. but it was fun. I mean, it was four hours, you know, girls game, guys game. It was good. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Uh, I watched a, a volleyball game. Mm-hmm. That was, that was fun. You know, got to make the most of your time while it's, while it's going on. Oh yeah. Uh, what's your favorite cop movie? Probably die hard. Okay. Okay. Probably could double as your favorite Christmas movie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite donut flavor? Chocolate glaze. Ooh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, I'm currently on a diet right now, so all these donuts sound good. You ain't wrong. <laughs> What's your favorite police car? Ooh, probably Caprice. Okay. That was a mean car, because we had the ones with the V8s in Canaveral. Mm. But the problem with, with, the, with the Caprices, I don't know if you know this, they're manufactured in Australia. Okay. So, like, if something happened to it, or like, because we had someone back into one, it took three months to get a door. That explains it. We have we have a couple, mm-hmm. and every time they go down, they go down for a while. And now that they're getting oh, now yeah. that they're getting older, they're they're really taking a while to get you know because usually what's breaking now, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so biggest moment of your life, you're about to walk into it. What song do you want to be played to be playing to get you pumped up? We will fall together. Street Light Manifesto. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. Once uh. We were once playing a battle of the bands, and as we were driving into the battle of the bands, we we had that song playing. It's uh, it's good stuff, yeah. Oh yeah, that's like a like a pirate, like we're gonna go raid the town kind of song. That's a good one. Oh yeah, I love that. It's it's definitely my uh, what was it, fortunate son going into war. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> good, good call. Um, all right, Kelly Kapowski or Topanga Lawrence? Ooh, Topanga. Yeah, I, I've I figured that question out. So if you're born in the '80s, you're gonna answer Kelly. If you're born in the '90s, it's gonna be Topanga. That's really funny. <laughs> Every single time. Uh, what was your t- childhood dream job? Ooh, childhood dream job. Probably rock star. Okay. I grew up with music around the home. My dad's a guitarist, and uh, like I, I was like growing up, like playing his old Hagstrom electric guitar because it was plugged into nothing, so it couldn't bother too many people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, if you weren't a cop, what would you be doing? Motorcycle mechanic, Harley Davidson, for sure. Okay. Who's your favorite Looney Tune? Daffy Duck. Nice. What is your proudest moment in law enforcement? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say his uh, his name was Joe. No, Big John. Big John at the boat dock out in Merritt Island. We get a call, and it says, uh, and it was, if you don't kill me, I'll kill myself. And it hangs up the phone. They triangulate it, and we get a call at the same time from a pastor who's like, hey, there's a guy, that, he's got trouble, he's living on my boat. Uh, can you go check on him? He's not doing too well. So we go out there, I find the boat. He's cut himself all over his body with a fillet knife. And this dude is nothing shy of like 6'4", 290, with a noose around his neck, and he's about to jump off the end of the boat. But I'm like, 
ooh, here we go, and just went to full, like, next scene, and somehow I'm fighting this guy covered in blood, and like, where's the, where's the knife? And like, you know, but long and the short of it was, you know, whatever, however the adrenaline and all that worked is somehow I wrestled this dude off of the boat onto the dock, onto a stretcher, got him tied up, and sent him off, got him Baker acted. And next time we checked on him, he was off alcohol. He was doing really well, and he's still alive to this day as far as I know. That's good. That's good. It's always good when you can see someone who was troubled like that. You you do something significant for them, and then you it was know, so nice to see. Around. We went out there it's for a... another uh, checkup because the pastor says, yeah, he's, he's not really doing too well. So we go out there with this knowledge in mind. And, like, so we have more officers out there. And, like, he just, like, comes out in, like, a towel and, like, shorts, like, towel around his neck and shorts. He's, like, with a glass of water. It's like, hey, guys, what's going on? So I heard you're down. He's like, well, I just told my pastor. I was a little sad, but, like, nothing like last time. Like, I'm doing good. And I was like, this is great. I love seeing you this way. Like, he's still living on the boat, but, like, he's not covered yeah. in blood. He's not trying to put himself in the noose. He's, he has a lust in yeah. life again. So that was great to yeah, see. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a good mm-hmm. story. I like that. If you could tell one person one thing about your career that they misunderstand, what mm. would it be? I think it's that we're all trying to make the world a better place because a lot of people disagree on things. But at the end of the day, if you ask every single person, are you do you have your thoughts because you want the world to be a better place? They'll all say yes. We have different methods of getting there, but people need to understand that this is just the way that we think is bettering the world. Um, like I said, people might disagree with it or think what we're doing is wrong. Um, but you know, people don't get in this job for the money. That's for sure. Um, yes. So, you know, if you're not in there for the right reasons, they'll leave anyway, sooner than later. But a lot, you know, a lot of times the media is trying to bastardize us, bastardize us lately. And, you know, it is what it is, but you know, everybody, you know, even the people we disagree with, a lot of them are out there just trying to better their own world or better the world around them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If you could describe your significant other in one word, what would it be? Badass. If we use a hyphen, yeah, she's, she, she yeah, she can kick my ass. She's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, if you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you've never met, who would it be, and what would you order? Hmm. James Jamerson, the bass player from Motown. Okay. I'd say prime rib. Have a good conversation over a nice, a nice piece of meat. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What's the best advice anyone's ever given you? Uh. Pretty much when someone told me just to trust God, it definitely made a lot of sense. And my life has been more relaxed ever since then. Uh, again, I know it's also, with, with this job, it's very hard to do with, unless you have a faith in something else that's a little bit bigger than us. And uh, when, when I kind of got more into my faith, I definitely got a lot less stress. Things made more sense and things kind of flowed better, um, for sure. So okay. when, when, someone got, when, I was, when I was brought into Christianity that way, it was definitely the best advice I was ever given. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um all right, late at night, you're just binge watching TV, catching up on the latest Netflix. What is your go-to late night snack? I have a few. The Stacy's pita chips are where it's at. I'm okay. not gonna lie. Yeah. That and a little bit of beer cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good day. But uh, Sun Chips or those, those? I don't know if they are. They're on sale at Kroger all the time now. It's like from Harvest Snaps, but they're like balls. Okay. So they're like pea ball, like made with like peas. Yeah. But like they're like sour cream and onion, and they're phenomenal. And I can't oh. not eat the whole bag in one sitting. Okay, that sounds it's good. So good, and it's like three hundred calories in the whole bag. Can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look into that. I'm sure they're down here somewhere. Oh yeah. All right, our last one. If you were stuck in a foxhole, who would you want to be trapped with to help you get out? Hmm. I'm gonna have to say my coworker Rob Smith. I've been, this is my second agency with him. We went to academy together. We went to the sheriff's office together, and now we're at EKU together. 
And oh, wow. he actually had his leg blown off by an IED, but that man could get out of any situation scot free. Like he's number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Eric, this was an amazing conversation. I really appreciate your time. Thank um, you. Really enjoyed it. Felt like we could keep talking. Um, if people wanted to check out you or your music or whatever, how do they find uh, you? They can find me. I've got nothing like really recorded yet. Uh, we're working on, work on an album soon with our duo Nightshade. Um, to find a duo on Facebook and Instagram, it's Nightshade Music KY, N-I-G-H-T-S-H-A-D-E, Music KY. Or my name, Eric Boxford Music, on um, YouTube and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, just... Just type in my name, you'll find it, it pops up on Google. Perfect, perfect. And we are going to be uh, graced with a tune from you. Um, can you give us a little intro and then take us away, Johnny? Yeah. Um, so this one is actually the first song I wrote after I got back from Nashville. Because it was like, hey, write something about what you know. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I can write about, you know, I've been doing police work for a while. And this song basically wrote itself. I sat down on the couch. I was like, I could write a song. And like 15 minutes later, this song existed. Um, but this song is called The Thin Blue Line. So, here we go. I've been to plenty of places you shouldn't have been. I've seen thousands of things I pray you'll never see. Been there while there's laughing. Plenty with people crying. Brothers and my sister, the family line. Call me up if you're feeling stuck. When you're all alone and think you lost your luck. With my badge on my chest, I give you all my best. Brothers and my sister, the family line. Working hard to help this place. I have the demons beyond this place. Giving you all I have to give. God gave us a little time, so I serve and protect with my brothers and my sister. Film line. A million miles a minute, so the speed we go. Sun and rain and sleet and hail and snow. 365, 24-7, I'm swearing until we get to heaven. My brothers and my sister depend a lot. Working hard to help this place. I have the demons beyond this face. Giving you all I have to give. God gave us a little time, so I serve and protect with my brothers and my sister filled the line. Brothers and my sister filled the line. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a good time. Absolutely, no problem. And once again, Eric Botsford Music, check him out, Google him. And uh, that was awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. And everyone listening, we will be right back. Thank you.
place for those that never get the chance They show up to the party but they never ask to dance The losers, the liars, the bastards, the thieves The cynicists, the pessimists, the those that don't believe in nothing Absolutely amazing. Welcome back. So, the song that just played was not We Will Fall Together, as I actually played that song a few weeks ago. So, I picked another great Streetlight Manifesto song, kind of put my own creative spin on it, and that would be a Streetlight Manifesto song that I would walk out to. So, uh, definitely another tune to get you going. So, once again, thank you, Eric, for your time. The song was absolutely amazing, and I can't wait to hear your stuff that gets recorded. And hopefully I end up in Kentucky sometime and I can see you live and we can uh, share a drink or two. So for today's Code 4 check, I told you guys that we are going to start talking more about self-improvement than uh, mental health. Again, every time I say this, I want to clarify, mental health is still important and it's actually probably the foundation or backbone behind self-improvement because if you're, you know, we're talking about the battle of the mind, right? There's a saying in martial arts or defensive tactics where the head goes, the body follows. And I think that's a perfect quote for this. Um, so yes, get your mind right. And that's what we talked about last week. And if you didn't listen, cause I know, um, you may not have listened to the whole episode, but definitely listen to the end of the episode. Like after the interview, uh, it's like a 20 minute clip, but definitely listen to it. I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of good stuff out there in that, uh, in that 20 minutes. So please take a listen to it. But anyway, that's what we talked about last week. And we're going to be talking more about it in the coming weeks. Um, especially full episodes. We're going to have Dr. Delery back. We're going to be talking about a few things. We're going to have a code for ch- or a cop council with project 109 coming up in April. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe, but, uh, what I want to talk about right now is what are you doing to your body? What are you putting into your body? I get it. You know, we need the dopamine hit of alcohol or nicotine or caffeine or whatever your vice is, you know, whatever your not healthy vice is. Um, I drink more caffeine than a person should. And, uh, there's nothing more rewarding to me than a few cold ones with the boys or girls, uh, after a long week at work. Um, but are we eating right? Are we training? Hell, I, and and I'm going to be honest about this, right? My life's been so chaotic. Um, I haven't been training like I should. I really haven't. I feel guilty about it. I feel bad about it. Um, but you know, I've, Maybe it is an excuse, but the few moments of nothing that I get to do in a given day or, or a couple of days throughout the week, I take it to relax. And I know, you know, the, the guys that I kind of idolize, Sean Whalen is one of them. Andy Frisella is going to be like, hey, there ain't no time to relax. I get that. But you know what? <laughs> what I, I've learned, talking about mental health, I've learned when I'm close to burning out and just being like done. So if I take a few days to like narrow it out or like level things out. I still consider that I have earned my relaxation. Um, But I do need to do more, and I'm not saying that I don't. We all know that uh, I've been working on my diet with meal prep and uh, clean eating with Nick Wall. Um, But I have been slacking with training. Uh, I'm hoping to start getting into a consistent lifting schedule. It's been very, very lapsed uh, over the past few months. 
and uh, talking to a buddy at work. We're going to try to get into the gym together, and he's going to give me some pointers. Because as much as I enjoy lifting and I and I like the pump and all that stuff, um, I'm just, you know, I just kind of I stick to what I know, and I, I want to break out of it. And I'm also working on getting involved in a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym uh, very close to me in the near future. So that way, um, that's just one more tool in my tool belt. You know, I talked to Nick Santos about this months ago and finally get my ass in gear, stuff we need to do. Uh, and I, of course, I also know that I don't drink enough water. Uh, I try. I really do. You know, some days I can drink an entire gallon and not even think about it. And other days, if I have a bottle or two of the, you know, like it was 16 ounces, that's a lot. So uh, as far as I'm, I, I see it, right, it's so much harder on duty to drink so much water consistently because I don't want to be peeing for half of my shift. So, you know, I am in no way a fitness or health guru, um, so I don't have a lot to talk about this topic, but it's something that we really need to think of, and that's the food for thought for today, is, you know, what are we putting into our bodies, and how are we taking care of us physically, and, um, you know, so I, I'm not going to go too far into it. Like I said, we'll talk about it in the future. I have a few ideas of who I would like to have on the show and talk about ways to be more productive and more proactive physically for us. Um, but for now, I'm just going to end the episode with that, just kind of planting some seeds and we'll, we'll blossom it in the coming weeks. Um, so that's it for today. That's our episode. Um, the music today was broken halos by Chris Stapleton, the way that I like it by the supervillains moment of silence by streetlight manifesto. And we're going to close by stuttering by Bayside. Uh, check us out next week where I will be joined with Dave and Ben from the Hey My Man podcast. Absolutely amazing guys. I can't wait to share the interview with you guys. Uh, kind of switching a few things up with that episode. And um, it's it's good stuff, man. And if you've never listened to the Hey My Man podcast, you need to get on it. Um, they've got, I want to say, almost 300 episodes. I mean, you can be listening for a while. So check it out. Uh, after you listen to my episode, go listen to Hey My Man and then, uh, check back next week for our episode together. And, uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate it, review it, subscribe and share it with everybody. Uh, and also remember to call me and tell me what your, uh, different tastes of musics are and, and, you know, what mood triggers what, and, uh, we'll talk about it next week. So once again, guys, thanks for hanging out with me. Take care of each other and stay safe. 10-8. Out. Sorry, I haven't written. I've been up